The book of Philippians, chapter number four, this reading, verse number eight, uh, as we begin uh, the message this morning. The book of Philippians, chapter number four, and began reading with verse number nine. The Apostle Paul writes and he says, The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Say do. These do. How many understand that we're often too much about knowing and not enough about doing? Let's read that again. The things which you learned, received, heard, and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The title of my message this morning is 55 and Reflecting. 55 and Reflecting. And this is the new 55 look, and I just let you know this morning... My wife said, honey, I don't mind being married to a 55-year-old man. I just don't want you to look like a 55-year-old man. So you take your melancholy perfectionist, stylist son with you, and you let him help you. Well, I helped him all his life. It's time for him to help me a little bit, all right? Amen. I hope you like it. If you don't, tough. See, when you get older, you can say things get away with it. I'm messing with you a little bit, all right? Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to be in your house today. Thank you for the, the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit, Father, that we sense in this, in this place today. Thank you, Lord, for, Lord, the, the expectation, Lord, the, Lord, there's just a, a sense of excitement, Lord, around the house today. Lord, there's just a, Lord, I, I just hear people talking and, and hear people ex- excitement in their voice. And God, we know you have awesome and incredible things, Lord, in store for us. God, I just pray today, Lord, as we endeavor to deliver the word of the Lord this morning, that you will anoint us and empower us today by your Holy Spirit. Make us a blessing, Father, uh, to your people. For the glory of God, I ask in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, most of you know, this past Thursday, I had my 55th birthday. I don't know how in the world that happened, uh, but it did. Uh, and now, in some places, I can now receive a senior citizen's discount. So, uh, hey, you know, getting uh, getting older isn't all bad. It isn't all bad, all right? So, uh, uh, and those of you that know me and know that I like to save a buck, uh, you know that I'm kind of happy about that part of, of, of my life. Well, at age 55, I find myself playing many, uh, many, many roles. I'm I'm a son. Uh, I'm a brother, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, uh, I'm a friend, uh, I'm a pastor, I'm a mentor. Uh, a lot of different roles that I am playing in my life now. Uh, I've learned a lot the past 55 years, some things I've learned the easy way, and then there's some things that, that, that I learned going through the school of hard knocks. Uh, there are actually two ways to learn. Um, the first way to learn is by personal experience, trial and error, and uh, three steps forward and, and two steps 
back. Another way to learn is by the experience of others. Paul said in our text, the things that you learned, the things that you received, the things that you heard, the things that you saw in me, do these things and the God of peace will be with you. If we learn all the lessons that we need to learn in life, if we learn them all by personal experience, by trial and error, we're going to be one bloody mess. The bumps and the bruises and the learning curve of life will literally beat us up. There is a much better way to learn life's valuable lessons. And that is to learn from the experiences of others. I can learn from you and you can learn from me and we can all learn from one another. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs 1 and 5, A wise man will learn and increase Oh, I'm sorry, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. So, the title of my message this morning is 55 and Reflective. Now, 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 please understand this morning, I'm not setting myself up as some kind of expert on life. Uh, there's a whole lot of things in life that I don't know. There's certainly a host of people that know a whole lot more than I know. The problem is they're not preaching today. I am. And as I reflect back over 55 years of living, 55 years of life experience, 55 years of learning, let me share just a few of the valuable lessons that I have learned in life. And if you can learn the lessons from me, then you won't have to learn them on your own. The first valuable lesson that I have learned in life. And this is so very, very valuable. It is so valuable. It is so life-changing. And that is this. You are and will be who you listen to. You are and will be who you listen to. Look in the book of Matthew chapter number 16. The book of Matthew uh, chapter uh, number 16 And verse number 13, Matthew 16 and 13 says that when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, well, Lord, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, there was much controversy as to who Jesus was. Who was this man named Jesus? Was was he the Messiah? Was he the Son of God? Was he supernaturally conceived? Oh, oh, some said yes, yes, yes. Others said, no, he's just the son of, of that poor carpenter named Joseph. Some said he was John the Baptist, and some said that he was Elijah. And there were others that said he was, ah, he's just a great teacher, or he's just a great prophet. Jesus, point blank, asked his disciples, well, well, forget what everybody else is saying. I want to know, who do you say that I am? And oh, Peter being the sanguine that he was, the outspoken one, the first one to speak, but this time he spoke the right answer. He squared his shoulders and cleared his throat and stood up straight and tall, and he declared, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, Peter didn't allow what some said about Jesus to influence what he said about Jesus. Here's the question I have for you this morning. Whose voice are you listening to? 
You see, there are many voices that are speaking today. Many voices. Your parents have a voice. Your kids have a voice. Your teachers have a voice. The media has a voice. There's the voice of Hollywood, and there's the voice of music, and there's the voice of friends. Whose voice are you listening to this morning? There's God's voice, and there's the devil's voice, and there's man's voice. It's critical. It's it's critical this morning whose voice that you are listening to. Because you see, you are today, and you will be tomorrow, the sum total of who you choose to listen to. There are many different voices that have tried to speak into my life. I remember some of the negative voices. I remember some of the critical voices that spoke into my life in my early years of ministry. Thank God I pulled away from those people and their voices quickly before I became poisoned by them. I remember one pastor in particular who who had a critical spirit towards our district leadership. And I found myself hanging with him. He was a little older than me and I was hanging out with him and trying to glean from him. And I found myself in time with the same negative, suspicious, critical spirit about those in leadership above me as he had. But thank God I I recognized it and I pulled away from him and I pulled away from his negative influence on my life. And by the way, this, this man has struggled in ministry his entire life. You see, anger and bitterness and resentment and criticism don't take you very far in ministry. But on the other hand, this morning, I could stand up here literally for hours and tell you of all the wonderful, all of the positive, all of the life-changing voices that have spoken into my life in the past 30 plus years. I could tell you about people that have encouraged me and people that have lifted me up and people that have taught me and people that have given me life-transforming truths. Tell you about people who have mentored me, people who have poured positive truth into my life. And this morning as I reflect on 55 years of living and life learning, I am eternally grateful that I have chosen to listen to the right voices. Let me tell you something this morning. Not everybody has the right to my ear. I love everybody. I try to be kind to everybody. I try and be nice to everybody. I try and give time to everybody. But I want to tell you that that not everybody has the right to my ear. Not everyone has the right to speak into my life. And so it ought to be with you this morning. You should be nice, you should be kind, you should be gracious around everybody and especially around family. But let me tell you that not everybody has the right to speak into your ear. And I want to tell you that you must be very, very careful who you allow to speak into your life. This is one of the things that I have learned in my 55 years of living that it is imperative that I guard my ears. It is imperative that I am careful who I allow, amen, to be in my inner circle and who I allow to speak into my life. Hey, let me just give you some practical things this morning. Don't take financial advice from a broke person. He might be your daddy, and you ought to love daddy, and you ought to respect daddy. But if daddy's broke, don't listen to his financial advice. 
Don't take marriage advice from a man on his fifth marriage. Don't let people who are angry and resentful and critical and bitter, don't let these people speak into your life. Lesson number one this morning, you are and you will be who you listen to. So you better be very careful to guard your ears. You better be careful who you allow in your inner circle. You better be very, very careful who you allow to get close to you. You better be very careful who you allow to speak into your life. Because in time, you're going to be just like them. And if you don't like what they look like, and if you don't like what they sound like, and if you don't like the way their life is going, be nice to them, love them, be kind to them, be gracious to them, but don't allow them in your inner circle, and do not allow them to speak into your ear. Notice something else I've learned from 55 years. This might sound a little bit negative this morning, but it's not really, it's just the truth, and that is life's not fair. I'm 55 and I'm reflecting and I'm telling you this morning, life is not fair. Oh, you don't know how bad I wish that I could stand up here today and I could tell everybody, oh, oh, that, that you, will, you will all enjoy the storybook life. That it will begin with once upon a time and it will end and they lived happily ever after. Oh, I'd love to be able to tell you this morning that you're going to marry the person of your dreams. You're going to live in a beautiful house with a white picket fence. Oh, you're going to have 2.5 kids. Well, that's the average. That poor .5 kid. Can you imagine what he looks like? You're going to enjoy a six-figure income. You're going to have perfect health. Oh, you're going to retire with a gold watch and you're going to travel the country in a big motor home. I wish I could tell you that you're going to have the storybook life. This past week, a 60-year-old man that I've known all of my life said to me, he said, I've just discovered that I have the fairy tale syndrome. I'm 60 years old, he said, and I've just discovered that I have the fairy tale syndrome. He said, not one single thing in life has ever turned out the way I thought it would or I expected it. Not one single thing in my life has ever come up and met my expectation for it. Not my marriage, not my ministry, not my money. He said, I have the fairy tale syndrome. You see, he had bought the lie that life was fair. He had bought the lie that says that life in and of itself, all by itself, is going to make you happy. He, along with a host of people, had lived his life with the I'll be happy when mentality. It's the way most people live their life. I'll be happy when. And it begins at a very, very early age. It begins just as a little child. When the little child thinks, I'll be happy when I get in school. My older brother, my older sister are in school. And when I get in school, I'll be happy when I just get to kindergarten. (laughs) When I just get to school, I'll be happy. And they're there for a little while and realize that it's not everything they thought it would be. 
And they go along for a little while, but then all of a sudden they meet a sixth grader. How oh, the sixth grader, they're king of the mountain, they're king of the hill. They get to boss all the other little kids around. They think, I'll be happy when I get in the sixth grade. And they get in the sixth grade and it's okay for a little while. And then they realize that's not what it is all about either. And so now it's junior high. Oh, oh, when I get into junior high, man, when people quit looking at me like a little child and a little kid, when I get in junior high, junior high is where it's at. And then it's not long, and in junior high doesn't do it either, and now it's high school. <laughs> oh, can you imagine what it would be like to actually be in high school? High school's where it's at, man. They're cool in high school, and I'll be happy when I get in high school. You know the story. It ain't long, and they're saying, oh, I'll be happy when I get out of school. Ah, when I get out of school, when I get that cap and gown, man, when I walk across that stage, and when I get my diploma, when I get out of school, I'll be happy then. And that happens, and then it's, it's college. Oh, I'll be happy when I get to college. It's college. Oh, Oh, college is where it's at. College, you talk about cool, man. They are really, really cool in college. And when I get to college, oh, I'll really be happy when I get to college. You know the story. You know the story. And then after two or three years, some of their friends start getting married. That's it. That's it. I'll be happy when I get married, when I find the love of my life, when, when I say I do, when I walk down the aisle. Oh, when the two become one flesh, I'll be happy when I get married. That's it. I know when I get married, I, I'll be happy then. And they get married and they wake up on their honeymoon and she doesn't look like the bride they married the night before. And then some of their friends start having babies. And so now we got to have a baby. Oh, oh, that's the key to happiness. That's the key to life. I'll be happy when I can have a baby. Oh, oh, if we can just have a baby. We'll be happy if we can just have a baby. And the little one comes in. You know, I want to be nice. But they can't walk. They can't talk. They can't feed themselves. All they do is lay around and spit up and poop. That's all they do. I'll be happy. I'll be happy when we get them out of diapers. I'll be happy when we get them off of the bottle. I'll be happy. Oh, when they can walk and they can talk and do a few things for themselves. I'll be happy when, 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 when. And you know how it goes. And I can make this go on and on and on. And they get a little bit older. I'll be happy when, happy when, happy when, happy when. And finally, I'll be happy. We wanted them so bad, but now I'll be happy when we can get them out of the house. You know, it's said that when parents become empty nesters, some parents cry. Other parents change the locks. <laughs> you see, people who believe that, that life is fair and that, that, and that live their lives with the I'll be happy win mentality experience a lot of disappointment in life. The truth is, life's not fair. Bad things happen to good people. 
Joseph was one of the greatest men in the entirety of the Word of God. He was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. And yet Joseph was sold by his own brothers into slavery. He was lied about. He was thrown into prison and he was forgotten. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into a burning, fiery furnace for standing up for what was right. Job didn't do anything wrong, and yet he was treated worse than any other man who ever lived. No, my friends, life's not fair. Life's not fair, but God is good. Hey, And Romans 8 and 28 is still true, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Life may not be fair, but to those who place their faith and their trust and their confidence in God. Let me tell you once again this morning that God will take everything that happens to us in life. He'll take the good and the bad and the ugly. He'll take it all and He'll blend it all together. And the end result will be the very best thing for us. Amen. Better for us and better than anything that we could have ever dreamed of or hoped for or planned ourselves. Stop looking for the next event to make you happy. Don't believe the fairy tale lie. Refuse the I'll be happy when mentality. Because friend, true happiness is not a destination. It's a decision. I can honestly say I've had a lot and I've had a little. I've lived in the basement of a church and I've lived in the country club edition. My happiness is not based upon an event that may or may not happen. My happiness is based on a personal relationship with God. I remember when I moved out to Midland, Texas, out in the middle of nowhere. It's called Midland because it's Midland. First of all, it's flat and it's in the middle of nowhere. And it's called Midland, Texas. And my brother asked me one day, who in the world could ever and how in the world do you think you could ever be happy in a place like Midland, Texas? But I want to tell you that we were very extremely happy. Why? Why? Because it wasn't any event or something that had to happen to make me happy. I had my family there. I had my God there. Amen. I had the call of God upon my life. What's not to be happy about? I'm telling you, you don't have to be at a certain place at a certain time in order to be happy. Things don't have to turn out exactly and precisely the way that you want them in order for you to be happy. You can be happy when you just draw the line in the sand and say, God is my God and that's enough for me. Amen. I'm happy. Amen. I'm content. I'm satisfied because God is my God and His blessing is upon my life. Friend, if everything has to be perfect in your life in order for you to be happy, you're not going to be happy very often. Life's not fair. Life isn't perfect. So decide to be happy. Nehemiah 8 and 10, do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice it's not the joy of a perfect situation. It's not the joy of a perfect life. It's the joy of the Lord that is our strength today. I'm 55 and reflecting this morning. And here are just a few of the things that I have learned in my life. Number one, you are and will be who you listen to. Number two, life's not fair. And number three this morning, I've learned that you won't always get everything you want. You won't always get everything you want. You know, people are taught in school and and especially they're taught in sports and Yeah, sometimes even they're taught in church that if only you'll just apply yourself, 
If only you'll just work hard enough. If only you'll just discipline yourself enough. If you'll do these things, you'll be able to have anything and do anything and achieve anything that you want. But that's simply not true. Those of you that know me and know me well know that I'm not a negative or a pessimistic person. But the fact remains, you can do all of these things and still not get what you want. You you can be the best person for the job. And the boss can still overlook you and hire his brother-in-law. You can be the best point guard on the team. And everybody knows you're the best point guard on the team. But the coach can still sit you on the bench and put his son in that position. Learn this life lesson this morning. You won't always get everything you want. And let me stop here just for a moment and do a little parenting seminar. Is that okay? Parents, you are doing your kids no favor by giving them anything and everything that they want. You aren't helping them when you bail them out of all the trouble they get into and don't allow them to suffer the consequences of their actions. The wisdom writer wrote in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18 and 19, Discipline your child in his early years while there is hope. If you don't, you will ruin his life. He goes on, people should bear their own penalty. If you rescue them, you'll have to do it again and again and again. I like what Pastor John Hagee says about raising kids. You know, meek John Hagee. He says, don't reward your children for simply doing what they ought to do. Don't use the reward system where you reward them just for doing what they should do. He says he knew one father that, he, that, uh, that told his son, sit still and don't talk in church and I'll give you a little red truck. John Hagee said, I told my kids, you sit still and don't talk in church or I'll give you a little red rear. (laughs) He says, if you always reward your kids for simply doing what's right and what they ought to do, they'll grow up thinking that the world owes them a reward for simply doing what's expected of them. Boss, what do I get? I'm on time for work today. What do I get? You get to keep your job. (laughs) Mommy, mommy, I made my bed. What do I get? You get to sleep in it again tonight. (laughs) We need to teach our kids that you don't always get everything that you want in life. And that's okay. Because you see, here's what I've learned after 55 years. This is what I want you to hear this morning at this point. Here's what I've learned after 55 years. What I think I want and what I really want are miles apart usually. Recently, I changed my prayer. For years now, as I pray every day, I, 
I always begin my prayer time with praise. Jesus said, pray like this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus said, when you pray, begin by by praising me. And for years I began my prayer time praising and worshiping the Lord. And for years in the praise part of my prayer time, I would thank God for every prayer that He answered, every door that He's ever opened for me. But recently I have been not only praising God for every time He said yes to me in prayer and for every door that He ever opened for me in my life, but now every day I thank God not only for saying yes to my prayer, but I also say thank you, Jesus, that you have said no to my prayer. Not only do I say thank you, Lord, for opening doors for me in my life, but I equally say thank you, Lord, amen, that you have closed a lot of doors. Because I want to tell you, friend, that there have been a lot of doors that I wanted the Lord to open for me, and I prayed that God would open it. I begged and I pleaded, I, I fasted and I asked God to open, and God slammed the door right in my face. Oh no, friends, you don't always get everything you want. But it's okay. It's okay because God's plan is always better. You see, He must say no to this in order to say yes to that. And if God opens this door, you'll walk through it, but you will miss the best door that He had planned to open for you. One of my favorite scriptures is Isaiah 58, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. God says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are too far beyond anything you could imagine. For as just as the heavens are higher than the earth, that is how far, uh, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. What God wants for us is the very same thing that we would want for us if we were smart enough to want it. Mm. What God wants for us is the very same thing that we would want for ourselves if only we were smart enough to want it. You see, we want with limited knowledge. He has unlimited knowledge. Unlimited knowledge. We think we know what we want. God knows what we really want. He knows what will make us truly happy. He knows what will bring true satisfaction to our lives. I've used this illustration before, but it's one of my favorites. And it illustrates... My point this morning. A man was walking through a mental institution with another man who worked there. And they're walking through this mental institution and all of a sudden they hear somebody screaming from one of the rooms, Lulu, 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 Lulu. They walk over and they peek into the door. And here's this man sitting on his bed. Crying and weeping and screaming and hollering, Lulu, Lulu, Lulu. The man said, what in the world is that? He said, oh, that man was in love with Lulu. And Lulu jilted him. They walked on down the corridor and down the hall of the mental institution going the opposite direction, when all of a sudden they heard someone again screaming a blood-curdling cry. Lulu, 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 Lulu. 
look in, peek in the room. And here's a man over in the corner, rolled up into a fetal position, rocking back and forth, eyes bugged out, how saliva coming out of his mouth, crying, Lulu, Lulu. The man asked his friend what happened to him. Oh, he married Lulu. Oh, no, no, my friend, you don't always get everything you want. But I want to tell you something that I've learned. Thank God He doesn't give me everything that I want. Thank God He doesn't say yes to every one of my prayers. Thank God He doesn't open every door that I ask Him to open. Thank God He tells me no sometimes. Thank God He slams the door shut on me sometimes. I'm telling you, you think you know what you want and you think you've got a good plan for your life. But I'm telling you that God has a better plan. And when God says no and when God shuts the door, It's because God has something better in store for you. If we could get the worship team back in place this morning. I'm 55 and reflecting. There's much that I've learned these past 55 years. We've talked about three things today. We're going to talk about some more next Sunday. Again, I'm not setting myself up as some expert on life. There's more that I don't know than what I do know. But I have learned a few things. And if those of you that haven't learned these lessons that I'm telling you, talking to you about today and next Sunday, if you can learn them from me and not have to learn them by personal experience, then I have spared you and saved you some bumps and some bruises in life. And if you then can pass these lessons along, you too can help some people. Here's what we've learned today. You are and you will be who you listen to. Whose voice are you listening to? There's a multitude of voices out there. There's a lot of people talking today. Be very careful who you lend your ear to. Not everybody deserves the right to speak into your life. Understand that who you are today and who you're going to be tomorrow and next week and ten years from now is all going to be determined on who you lend your ear to, who you choose to listen to. And understand that life's not fair. Not meaning to be negative or pessimistic today. That is simply being honest. Don't buy into the fairy tale mentality. Don't allow your life to be event-driven. I haven't allowed the churches that I've pastored to be event-driven. Even when people pressured me and even people close to me pressured me. I don't want New Bethel to be about events. How are we going to have a really good service this week because, man, it's the big day. I'm not saying we should never have a big day. We've had a few of them. We'll have a few. 
But it's not going to be event driven. I want us to have an encounter every time we come into the, into the house of God. Don't live your life event driven. I'll be happy when, when this event, when that event, when this take place and that and something else. Haven't you learned by now? That will not do it. Because the next event has to be bigger. It has to be better. It has to be more grandiose than the last. And finally, everybody's plumb wore out. Happiness is not a destination. It's a decision. Decide. I'm going to be happy. I've got every reason to be happy because God is the Lord and Savior of my life. That in and of itself is enough. But I promise that all of us have other things in life and blessings of God in our lives. And you're not always going to get everything you want, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing because you really don't know what you want anyway. But the good news is, God does. He does. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, as I do every day, I thank you, Lord, for my life. I thank you for the good days and the bad days, the hard times and the easy times. I thank you for the times you said yes and the times you said no, the times that you opened doors and the times you shut doors for me. Oh, I'm so grateful and thankful for the people that you have placed in my life, mentors, teachers, friends, acquaintances, ministries that I've been blessed to be a part of and to be a part of my life, to pour into my life. Thank you that now you give me opportunities quite often to pour into the lives of others. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning. I understand that I I didn't preach any salvation message this day, but I, I don't want anyone to leave this room today without an opportunity to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Because you see the most important thing.